listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. We've got a bracket. Um, I would contend not a lot of drama, but some some may disagree. Um, but at the end of the day, we are here. We have a bracket. It was wonderful. Alabama getting the overall number one seed. The other ones were Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. Last four in Mississippi State, Pitt. Arizona State and Nevada. Um, so that means North Carolina did not make the field despite starting the season as the number one team in the preseason poll, proving once and for all, if we didn't know already, preseason polls are worthless. Um, but also we're just kind of rage quit on the season. Said, you know what, we're not going to do the NIT either. Um, so the heels are done. Doesn't matter. We are surviving without them. Let's start as we break down this brackets in the top left, the South region. So with that overall number one seed, Alabama. We've got Alabama. We've got Arizona. We've got Baylor. We've got Virginia and San Diego State as the top five seeds in this region. Not the most loaded, but still a pretty loaded region, I would say. Yeah, I, I think... The the hard part comes in as I'm just kind of looking through. The eight nines are always difficult, just in general, because they're they're obviously teams that have played good basketball, but at times have shown fatal flaws. That is Maryland and West Virginia to a T. Like Maryland, Maryland could lose this game by thirty, or they could win it by fifteen. I I could see both of those easily happening, specifically because Kevin Willard has not shown much success at all in his uh, career in the NCAA tournament. And this Terps team, as we've beaten into the ground, has only won two games on the road. This is obviously a neutral site, but it's it's far enough away. I believe it's in Birmingham uh, that they will be playing that uh, you could consider it a road game. So I I find it, though, that when the either West Virginia or Maryland play their best game, they are absolutely capable of beating in Alabama, and that's that's where the tough part comes in. I think the other thing that's just overall with the bracket, all the mid-major teams that I really like had some very difficult draws to to uh, open the round of 64. But sticking in the South, like I love that San Diego State got a five. It feels like they were a little bit kept there. Baylor is such a wild card as a three. Virginia, I don't think Virginia's good. Spoiler alert, I have them losing to Furman in the opening round. I, I don't think this is a good team. Again, their style of play, we've talked about this year in and year out. It's it's set up so that they can easily lose an opening round game in upset fashion to a team like Furman who hasn't been here in a long, long time since 1980, and they're going to be fired up to play this one. So I'd you hit on a couple of good points. I think one in particular is, you know, there are a lot of double-digit seeds in this tournament in general that you can yeah. fall in love with. It was very difficult for me. I I could have probably picked every 12 and 13 seed in the first rounds to go mm-hmm. through. I think I think this is the strongest bunch of, of those type of teams we've seen in a couple of years. And I, I think part of the reason is, you know, a lot of the, the dominant mid-major teams won their conference tournaments as well. So we're not, you know, having some team get hot for a couple of days. These are teams like, you know, 
in this in this region in particular, College of Charleston, Furman, teams that we've been talking about and and keeping an, our eye on for a lot of the season. You know, yeah, there is there is a lot to like here. Um, so I, I think just kind of looking at some of those potential upsets in this region, I am I'm with you on Furman. Uh, you're locked in on the Dims, right? Yes, yes. I, I, of them advancing. The 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 scary part to me is it feels too obvious. Like it it feels like a trap. Um, but yeah, I, I've got Furman locked in. That is actually that is actually the only upset I have in this region. So there are there are a couple of games like that later where I I think it was so obvious that I like had to go yep. back in and just kind of work against my brain. But I I think this one is is one that does make sense and I like I I I just like it. I, I think against Virginia you have to play really disciplined basketball with Furman is able to do. They don't turn it over very much. They don't beat themselves, which is always what you're looking for against a Tony Bennett team. Um and I mean, They're a veteran group too. Yeah, it, it's a lot of guys who can fill it up and five different guys who shoot thirty five percent or better from the outside, which is what you need to do to beat the pack line. I, th- I think it's a tough matchup for Virginia, who is without Vanderplas as well. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I I see nothing wrong with that pick. Um, so the only other upset, so just for this show, upsets, you know, 11 or higher, not going to highlight a 9 over an 8 as an upset or a 10 over a 7. Uh, right. Because I do like a lot of those. Um, but Charleston, I'm... I'm picking picking the twelve, okay. the thirteen in this region. Going Charleston. Um, it's been a difficult run for the Mountain West. That's not necessarily why I'm picking this, but it helps with that narrative. Um, you know, maybe take some heat off the Big Tens. The Mountain West have been, you know, even more disappointing. Um, but I, I think this will be dictated on who can effectively set the tempo because Charleston wants to play a lot faster than San Diego State. I'm not saying it'll look like a typical Charleston game, but they'll at least be able to speed up the Aztecs enough to make things uncomfortable for them. And then end of game, they've just been making a living all year, winning close games. So I think should it get into that territory, the team that's experienced enough all year doing that, their record speaks for itself on that front. Uh, so I, I, I like, I like Charleston to beat the Aztecs and I like them to beat Furman as well and make a, uh, a sweet 16 run in this in this region. Yeah, I I like Charleston a lot. I like San Diego State a lot. I have them in the sweet 16. Um I think Furman will be a great story. It'll be a great win uh for that program. Just just being able to beat Virginia stylistically fairly similar like you mentioned, but I I don't know. San Diego State, I think can really give Alabama fits. Like I I think that's going to be a great game, which is what I have. Um, and then, you know, moving down a little bit, I've got a Creighton Arizona rematch uh, from Maui that is going to be an an excellent game to uh, to put in uh, put the winner, excuse me, into the Elite Eight. But I I see a very easy road. Like I I'm not convinced by Baylor. I don't know that they've shown enough over the past month for me to feel confident that this team is going to put it together in time to make a run over a couple weekends in March. I think Missouri's a dangerous seven seed. Um, so Arizona did not get the easiest run of it. And Utah State 
as a 10. They they are a team that can do some damage as well. But I I like Creighton. I like Arizona. I think both of those teams get into a Sweet 16 showdown, and I think Arizona continues on. I agree in that the potential for great Sweet 16 um, games are a lot better in the bottom half of this region. I think, yeah, you know, I, I like Maryland over West Virginia, but I, I like Alabama to kind of cruise to that regional final. Mm-hmm. There's... There's a lot of potential pitfalls here. Like, obviously, they had to make the brackets so we'd see Baylor against Baylor Shireman in the yep. second round. Just just happened that way. Um, they don't pick storylines. I'm I'm a little surprised NC State avoided the first four because um, mm-hmm. we we've seen them get hammered by Clemson very recently. Um, so that was as the the lasting impression. So I I cannot in good conscience pick them to win a game in this tournament regardless also don't really love the matchup against Creighton anyway um but out of Creighton I I think Baylor will have just enough to get by Creighton but whoever does that that matchup against Arizona I think will be a ton of fun I I think if it is Baylor Arizona just kind of the contrast of the elite perimeter guys that uh Baylor has tried to go up against the interior presence of Arizona there um, I've got I've got Arizona advancing out of that. I also I do like Utah State over Missouri though. That's my, you know, we talk some shit about the Mountain West. I'll throw a little back. Um, I I think that's the team I I really like to uh, win here. And I I think it's a little unfair to Missouri because I, I don't think that yeah. the teams here necessarily make sense. For sure. I mean, Utah State is a top 20 team in Ken Palm overall efficiency. They they run great offense. Their defense is pretty good uh, to boot. Missouri, obviously a great offensive unit. Their, their defense is where they struggle. If it gets to a shootout, that is where I see Missouri being able to withstand because they, they've just played so many in the SEC this year. I'm taking Missouri because I think they're a little more battle-tested. This was the hardest game for me to pick of the first round. Uh, th- this one for sure. I-, I like Utah State a lot. We've talked about them a couple of times on the show. They've gone, for the most part, under the radar given all the other storylines in the Mountain West this year, specifically New Mexico starting hot and flaming out so fast. You almost didn't get a chance to see how consistent the Aggies were throughout the year. They closed the season really strong. And yeah, like their their strength is Missouri's weakness. So that, that really spoke to me. Um, you know, and... I don't know. This this is the first time we're uh, we're seeing Dennis Gates with Missouri. The tournaments, you know, they mm-hmm. they've kind of overachieved a little bit this this year. Utah State, I, I felt closed really strong. So, yeah, that either way though, second round game, Arizona's going through. I I don't see uh, yeah having too much trouble. And then uh, so you had you had Arizona and Alabama in the regional final then. Yeah, nice nice chalk to start us off. But uh, I'm taking Arizona to win that game. So I am as well. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Um, yeah, I, I think pretty much all of the the first round matchups in this region have a little bit of intrigue. Um, so, so a couple other players we did not shout out. Uh, AJ Mitchell, UC Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. guard. Um, lead taking on Baylor in that, that first game. Just obviously not enough on the rest of the roster there to give me much confidence. But, yeah, I mean, we've got uh, Southeast Missouri State who got into the selection show twice, so shout out to them. That was, shout out. That was big. Yeah, and uh, we we can't not mention Princeton 
uh, three guys scoring double figures. They don't shoot the ball from three particularly well, but they are a physical team, which is shocking, especially for the Ivy League. Uh, Caden Pierce, really good freshman for them. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce Tosan's last name because I, I haven't been able to do it in about 13 tries, but he is he can fill it up and, and does a little bit of everything for this team. Yeah, Glenbard West's own Caden yep. Pierce. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's move on. I don't know if we feel like we've had this discussion before. Do you usually go down in the bracket or? Yeah, I go down. Okay, I uh, that's what I've written next. I couldn't remember. Okay, great, because that's that tears families apart sometimes. It does. Uh, so going down to the the East region with the uh, fourth overall seed, uh, Purdue, the other top seeds in this region, Marquette, Kansas State, Tennessee, and Duke. Um, I mean, love doing these two regions back to back. You'll see soon enough. Um, but what uh. What are some of the things that that stand out to you in this region? Obviously, a lot of upset potential. Again, you've got the storyline: Bryce Hopkins' revenge game against Kentucky potentially, and uh, yeah, you know, how far can Zach Eady and Purdue go ultimately? Yes. So the eight nine matchup, like FAU, got screwed in my opinion. If you're going to put a team with thirty one wins that has played as well as the Owls have all year above the 12 line putting them in the 8-9 just is brutal and then you give them a I think underseeded Memphis team who just blew the doors off of Houston in the AAC final granted there was no Marcus Sasser but this was a team that was within a shot of beating them the last day of the regular season at home they've given Houston who is the I think the odds-on favorite to win the title right now per Vegas uh, all they can handle every time they've played Memphis is a very good team. This is like, they're a bad matchup for almost anyone in this bracket. Um, then you've got the storyline, Duke and Oral Roberts, like Max Smith back in the NCAA tournament. They've got Vanover now, who's who provides them a good height. It's a really good matchup on paper for each team. I think it's whoever's guards can get hot and make the most plays. Like, I personally think Duke is playing some of the best basketball in the entire country. You astutely picked them to win the ACC tournament. They went out and did exactly that. They're hot. They have, if they can get past Oral Roberts, a fairly favorable run to a Sweet 16, Elite 8, even Final Four. Um, Tennessee gets Louisiana, which I thought was a bit easier of a draw than, than I had expected for Tennessee. If they had ended up with an Iona, I think it would be a slam dunk pick for Iona, but Louisiana is still a bit feisty. Um, you mentioned Kentucky, Providence. Like Providence is maybe in a free fall. They've lost their last three or three of their last four, whatever it is. No, last three, and have not looked good in any of those games. Michigan State as a seven is insane to me. I I do not know. Like if you had switched Memphis and Michigan State around, I think that would have made a lot more sense. And then Marquette, fresh off the dominance at Madison Square Garden, gets Vermont, who. Is a team I've seen in person and, and certainly played a lot better towards the end of the year than they did early. That was a lot of talk for a whole lot of nothing almost at this point, but that those are my immediate thoughts. Yeah, Vermont, a uh, little lower seeded than we've seen the Catamounts uh, during some of this great run they've had under John Becker. Some good uh, other low major transfers like Dylan Penn from Bellarmine, mm-hmm. but going to be a 
tall, tall order, uh, keeping up with Shaka Smart and Marquette the way the Golden Eagles have been playing. Uh, so let's let's kind of go through this region. Going back to uh, to that Memphis FAU game, are you you leaning the the Tigers on that? Just bad matchup for FAU. I think it's a bad matchup. I am going to lean Memphis, um, but I do think, and this is this will be the first sparks flying. I think the winner of this game beats Purdue. That's. Okay, so that this was the biggest challenge for me uh, when filling out the brackets. Like, I ultimately have Purdue advanced into the Sweet 16 because for the life of me, I'm like, I know whoever I pick to win this game and beat Purdue, they're going to end up losing in the first round. And I just... <laughs> you can't afford I, to I, have two of those. I have lived with myself my whole life. I know that, how that is going to go. Um, so ultimately I just, I took the cowards way out. I'm going FAU. Um, I think Memphis has a very, very high ceiling. They don't always play up to that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, they've, they've had some struggles against lower quality competition. Not saying that's what FAU is, but just speaking generally, uh, yeah. I, I think FAU We'll kind of cap off its season nicely with a, a nice win in the NCAA tournament as well. Um, and then this was my other upset heavy uh, region, which is, is why I'm, I'm glad we're, we're doing these two right off the bat. I agree that Duke has a path here. I I think we're going to see a little bit more Max Smith magic in March. I, I really do. I, I'm trying to avoid falling into the trap uh we kind of did a little bit with uh, south dakota state dominant summit run last year the difference for me is we've seen what oral roberts can do in the tournament and I, this is a better team than yeah. the team that knocked off ohio state knocked off florida gave arkansas a great run to their money um i i mean it's he he's got he's got that ability to take over a game um laid you kind of need a, a lead guard to do like that and i also like louisiana over tennessee it i i actually i kind of like that i'm not in a situation where like most of the year i would have just automatically put tennessee in the final four they're stumbling down the stretch they're going to go through a killer scoring drought in this tournament and no Zakai Ziegler either is going to make life yeah. even more difficult for that offense. The Sun Belt was a ton of fun this year, so you knew whoever came out of it was going to be a challenge. Louisiana's got Jordan Brown, who is still a stud. Uh, multiple guys who shoot 40% or better from the perimeter. Um, I I think it's just going to be, you know, I think it's this game, but wherever Tennessee goes out in the tournaments, they're just going to struggle to score points. Um and it's it's going to be a killer scoring drought in the second half that ends up costing them. I think it'll be right off the bat in the first round. Uh, yeah, it's it's very possible, and I I just I just wish I had more confidence in Louisiana. It's a team they do score the ball pretty well. They actually rank very highly in luck in Ken Palm. Um, it's it's a team that I just wish I had seen more of to be able to feel more confident in them. Of of all the lower seeds, outside of probably Montana State, this is you know Louisiana is the one I've seen the least of. That's fair. I uh, 
Yeah, honestly, Texas Southern, probably the only one I could could confidently say. But I, I have seen plenty of Jordan Brown before, so I do I yeah. at least know him. Yeah. Um, yeah, but those are, those are my two big upsets in this region. Yeah, I have. So I do have Memphis into uh, the Sweet 16. I have Duke in the Elite Eight. Uh, I have K-State beating Kentucky. Obviously not an upset, but that's just... Yeah, the, the only other team that I haven't necessarily mentioned. Um, I just like how Marquette's playing right now, and that's what scares me. I don't want to pick. Picking conference champs is tough. It, like it, it historically has not been the greatest uh, barometer of March success, but it's hard to argue with the results when you look at that Marquette team. I I think it also depends on where they end up getting seeded. Yeah, too. Like, I don't think it's crazy. Like, going out as much on a limb for a, a one or two seed, um, you know, which we both went with Arizona could be a similar thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think so. I so the the way my bracket kind of laid out, I thought Purdue had a a decent draw. Like, I think the potential for a much more difficult one is out there. Obviously, you know. Going through uh, facing FAU and maybe Oral Roberts, um, I think Purdue could could have the the potential to go through to the Elite Eight. Although it'd be fun, just uh, Vanover Zach Eady matchup, just how yeah. different those two guys play uh, for being the Giants. Um, but if you get like I know they played earlier in the year, but if you get to a point where it's Marquette and it's Purdue, Purdue's going to be in hell. Uh, just Shaka will press them into oblivion and yeah. it could get ugly fast. I think that that's just the thing. It took people a while to figure out. Um, cause I don't think anyone was expecting the freshman guards to be sort of as polished as they appeared to be out of the gate for Purdue. And then once you got kind of into the thick of conference play teams were trying to come back. It's like, all right, here's an effective defensive strategy. They are still freshmen after all. Um, so I would not be surprised if Marquette were to do that for, you know, 40 minutes if it got to that point. Yeah. It's why I like Memphis because they are such yeah. a big athletic team. Like I, I see Penny thrown on the press immediately and just saying, go after them, like just go after them, make them as uncomfortable as possible. If, you know, if I am, Matt Painter, that's what I'm focusing solely on that this week. The inability to break a press nearly cost them multiple games in the Big Ten tournament. Um, the question really became why were teams not doing it earlier? Because no matter what, no matter how many timeouts he took, they would still throw the ball into the corner, get trapped, and then try and throw a cross-court pass into somebody's hands. It It was remarkable, it was astounding, and yet they didn't do anything to fix it. So if I, I mean, if I'm Texas Southern, Fairleigh Dickinson, I'm throwing the press on either way. I mean, you're not going to beat Zach Eady. The only way you beat him is keeping the ball out of his hands. So if you can press him and maybe force some turnovers, make some plays early, you have a chance to stick around. But that, for a Memphis or an FAU, that's that's your ticket. Yeah, I I could see Memphis doing that as well, which is, is why I had to pick FAU winning the first round match. Yeah, uh, exactly. But like... If we're talking about crazy matchups, like Fairleigh Dickinson, I believe the, the average height of their rotation they mentioned in the NAC championship is like six one. So 
Zach Eady would uh, would stand out significantly. I'd be really interested to see what they would have to try defensively just to slow him down a little bit in that game. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a matchup nightmare for anyone, but especially would be for the Knights. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so ultimately, do you do you have uh, Marquette coming out of here? I do. I have them beating Duke. Uh, they're back at MSG in this scenario, which would be fun again to see how they perform their second trip in March. Um, but yeah, I have Marquette. Okay. I, yeah, I do as well. I, that that's my lead eight matchup. I, I mean, if, if Purdue loses sooner, I'm not going to be crushed. Um, but it's just the, the way a little, little emotional hedge. Um, and I, I agree with, uh, the fact that Michigan state is a sub and it's just not reflective of how they've looked for a lot of the year. I've got, I'm going down to, to USC and uh, Boogie Ellis yeah. in the first round. Likewise. All right. Uh, so we are moving over to the Midwest now. Top seeds in this region, Houston, Texas, Xavier, Indiana, and Miami. Lot of lot of storylines um, in this region, to say the least. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... Not least of which, if Houston wins this region, they will be playing in the Final Four in Houston uh, mm-hmm. with alum Jim Nance on the mic for the play-by-play. So, as much as people will say they're not thinking about it, that has to be, yeah, in your mind at least a little bit. Especially if you are a, you know, nineteen, twenty-year-old kid. It's just that's human nature. Um, but. Yeah, even if you're not, though, everyone's bringing it up every chance they get. So it's impossible to avoid. That is true. Um, So looking at at some, like, obviously the the storylines on top of that, you've got, um, you know, potential Indiana Kelvin Sampson reunion in the Sweet 16. But before that, uh, former Sampson assistant Rob Sunderoff, now coaching Kent State, Got the uh, got the show cause back in his Kelvin Sampson days at Indiana, so another reunion there that'll be fun. I'm sure, people will will mention a million times, but uh, kind of a a wacky thing that happened in this bracket is uh, is Iowa. You know, always been great in this tournament under Fran McCaffrey, basically playing a road game, uh, going to Birmingham to take on Auburn. Uh, mm-hmm. Auburn has been very dif- yeah. Auburn has been very difficult to believe in for long stretches of this year, but with what could be a a home court type atmosphere, coupled with Iowa struggles at times away from Iowa City, do you think that's enough to to kind of push them over the edge here? I do. I do think it's enough. Um, it's just. There's there's so much going against Iowa in this scenario. Um, and that little bit, especially when it's supposed to be a neutral court, can can really make a difference. Seton Hall had to play Kansas and Wichita, which obviously there were maybe seven Seton Hall fans in, yeah. in the building. Uh, and that made a, a world's difference in, in a game that we were really in for, for a long bit of it and uh, made a c- good comeback at the end. But that matters like that kind of stuff when you are getting on a roll and the arena is dead silent because the home, the pseudo home team isn't doing what they're supposed to do. That affects you. Uh, and so I, I, 
I just think there's too much going against Iowa in in order for them to get this win. Auburn has given me very little this year to feel confident about them with. Um, but I think just defensively, they're able to slug it out better than Iowa will. Yeah, I like this is kind of one of those games where I regret that I have to pick one of these teams. Uh, yeah, because like I was not quite on the level of Maryland, but their their home and away shooting splits are ridiculous, with the exception of one random night in Bloomington, uh, which was super fun. But like so, some guys are, you know, 20, 25 percent better at home uh, from from the perimeter, which means when they lock in, they really lock in. Um Auburn, I, I think, just doesn't really challenge them a lot of ways. Could a lot of teams could because you know Iowa is susceptible defensively. Auburn just their identity is taking bad shots, um, and, and like I don't, I don't know if their their backcourt is going to overcome it. Um, yeah, I mean, whoever wins this, I think Houston won't have much trouble with. But <laughs> if you are making me pick this game which is what brackets ultimately are i will take iowa and and move on i think i think chris murray is a, a better player than anyone on auburn so i'll <laughs> go with that but fran mccaffrey bruce pearl tempers are gonna fly at some point oh yeah or nice fire. fiery coach but yeah. match up there that's for sure um i guess what uh so we go down the the line what what upsets are are speaking to you so this is one of the regions that i mentioned before uh a lot of the lower seeded teams that i like are matched up with really tough first round games uh drake has miami i love this miami team i really like drake as well i'm taking the bulldogs in this one i think they get enough from their guards they've got surprisingly better uh, length or bigger length than Miami does, but Drake is going to be able to uh, cause some problems and make those guards of Miami uncomfortable. I really like this Kent State team. I think Indiana is a really bad matchup for them. I think Indiana goes through. Uh, winner of Mississippi State and Pitt, I have no faith in Iowa State whatsoever. Uh, I'm, I penciled that one in regardless of who it is. I think Pitt can outscore him with ease. Mississippi State will drag them down into a rock fight and, and beat them that way. Um, I think Kennesaw gives Xavier a scare, but I think the Musketeers come through. Like that's another uh, 14 seed that I really like. That you know maybe if they were playing a team like Baylor, I would probably consider taking the upset over them. But with the 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 firepower from guys like Boom Nunji and uh, Colby Jones, I just don't know that Kennesaw has enough defensive weapons to slow them down. Yeah, Chris Youngblood's a great name, and, and Kennesaw State, I think, is, you know, compared to where their program was, certainly happy to be here if they're not able to to pull off that upset. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm with you on Drake. I've got uh, I three for three on 12s over fives. I just, I, I love all of these matchups every time. Um, it sounds like Omir is going to be out for this game for Miami, which I think really... Uh, moves the moves the uh, the needle for me, and and Drake is just seemingly like create a twelve five upset in a lab. This is kind of what you look for, you know. This this is a a strong defensive team. 
They take care of the ball, don't beat themselves, and they've got that lead guard in Tucker DeVries who can score from all over the court. Um, I like Miami's guards a lot, but yeah. I, I think this is this is going to be a, a challenging matchup for them without Omir um, playing a, a really, really fundamentally sound team. And we saw just they rolled through uh, the Missouri Valley Tournament and just crushed a good Bradley team in the final. Um, not going to do that to Miami, but I, I think they will win this game here. Um, and, yeah, I I really hope Pitt beats Mississippi State because I don't want to watch Iowa State Mississippi State. The, the vibes from that. Take the be, under. Yeah, that would, like, I will watch it because i just obligated to watch every game of the tournament, but, yeah, boy, will I not be happy about it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I cannot believe in Iowa State either. They only look like they want to play if it's against Baylor, uh, which yeah is very bizarre. But just everyone else, they have not looked right for a while now, over a month it feels like. Um, so I'm I'm with you there. I'm obviously not taking Kent State's over Indiana. They do worry me a little bit. Um, Sincere Carey is a really good player. The defense they play um, is is pretty trapping and kind of baits opponents into making passes, uh, which, you know, passing has not always been Indiana's strong suit this year. Look at any time they have a two-on-one or three-on-one fast break, it ends up in a turnover. Um, So in the half court, that concerns me a little bit, but, I mean, I just, when in doubt, ride TJD, ride Jalen Hood-Shafino, I think that'll be enough uh, to get them to the Sweet 16 where eventually Houston is is going to just break my will to live. But that's a, that's a future problem. I have respect for the Cougars. You, I, I think you have to look at this draw. I mean, Kent State, obviously tough as a 13, but if they get past that, you've got to love the chance to, to get a date with Houston. Like, yes. Miami is a great matchup for Indiana. Drake... Obviously, you you have the more talented team and match up pretty well with the big guys for Drake. Like you have a stopper that can go on Tucker DeVries. Yeah, I like famous last words, but I was I was happy to see Kent State's name come up in the draw because it, it's really like pick your poison. If you're if you're on like the four or five line, which Indiana was, like you're going to get an uncomfortable first round matchup. There's not really a right. team on that line this year, like. Maybe you could make an argument for like a, a Louisiana who wasn't necessarily the best team in the Sun Belt. I just think Tennessee is really just slinking to the finish line that it it doesn't really matter who is there. Um, but there's not really a team you see and like, all right, we got this. So yeah, it's gonna have to work, but I think I think it can be done. Um yeah, I've, I and I, I certainly like the potential second-round matchup against uh, Miami or Drake, I think that'll that'll certainly be winnable. Um, I was not, yeah, like our friend uh, No Escalators, who was whipping himself into a frenzy over UConn's draw, but we'll talk about that soon. Um, yeah, out, out, sorry, outside of the Drake and Mississippi State, I don't really have many upsets. I think A and M Penn State was the hardest game to pick in this entire region because. Penn State's making shots, playing their booty ball, if you will. Uh, they are impossible to beat. A&M, 
does a lot of a lot of little things well. I think they don't necessarily jump off the page. They should have been a higher seed, um, but they're they're a seven. I think they win and they get a chance at Texas. I ultimately don't think they're good enough to beat this Texas team, uh, especially with how they're playing. But that was the toughest game in this region for uh, for me to pick. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, and then you you just kind of answered that already, like. If you had an issue with A&M seed, I like, I could maybe see going up a seed line to six, but at the end of the day, yeah. like six, seven range is kind of what I was thinking for them. It's like they've been playing better, but the the horrible losses that happened still did happen. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a, a game between two teams that are playing well that you wish wasn't a first round matchup because yeah. you know. You you kind of hope that that both of them could could maybe win a first round game. I I like A and M there um, as as well as Penn State has been playing. Um, but Penn State's perspective, Michael Shrewsbury is probably going to be gone soon. So you'd like to make right. most of of this season if you can. Uh, but I, I think A and M is going to be a tough matchup there. Agreed. Agreed. And then uh, what's your What's your regional final, and who do you have coming out of this this region? So, assuming Sasser is back, I believe he, yeah. he should be fine for the tournament. I think it was just a precaution thing that they kept him out of the AAC final. But uh, I'm taking Houston over Xavier. Um, I think Xavier and Texas play in an absolute thriller. Uh, and then I think Houston beats Indiana because, again, I'm eating the chalk right now. Um, I, said it, I said it to somebody, I can't remember who, but... This year has been so chaotic that it would just be so on brand for the tournament to be chalky as hell. Like it just we we've talked the whole year about how we had you know no truly great teams and now all of a sudden come March it's going to be chalk. But I've got Houston going to Houston uh, beating Xavier. I've got Houston as well, so we're three for three. Uh, but I, I've I've got them over Texas. I yeah I. The the latter rounds of mine are very chalky. Um, I <laughs> I do really feel like this batch of twelves and thirteens is like historically strong. Um, I agree. I'm just caught up in the moment, but I like I think there's a lot to love everywhere. But that's kind of the thing. It's like it's it's the ones we least expect that come through and ruin. Like no one no one thought Richmond was a threat at all to Iowa. Um, yeah, and then you know saw it happen. So. Got to stay vigilant, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of of talent in this region. Like the the first round matchup, Wade Taylor, Jalen Pickett, A and M, and Penn State should be a ton of fun. And then all the other parameter guys mentioned, Suli Boom, could he have a March moment? Um, what's what's Rodney Terry going to uh, be able to do for Texas as an interim head coach? You know, this is kind of an interesting position for him to be in. Ultimately, I don't see them taking down Houston. You've got them going out to Xavier, but I mean, this will this will be kind of the. It seems like the longest of long shots that he'll get a a shot at the full time job. But this is the final kind of audition for him. And yeah, who knows? You make a run to Houston and beyond. Maybe maybe that's enough. Yeah, it's it is another storyline to to monitor because if if they do make a final four run, like it's it, it almost begs the question: How can you not give him the that's, job? Yeah, that's that's really hard to then yeah. turn around and be like, 
Well, it wasn't good enough. And then uh, Colgate, I don't think we mentioned them whatsoever. Four guys, or five guys, excuse me, that uh, score double figures on average a game. Shoot 50% from the field, 40% from three. They can fill it up, and Matt Langles got this team cooking. Uh, they've been dominant in the Patriot League over the last couple seasons. He's another coach that'll probably be moving up very soon. Yeah. Probably as soon as this offseason. But I may, maybe, I feel like there's a little Colgate fatigue. Um, cause they, Definitely. they do, they look great on paper for one of these type of upsets, but you know, fool me twice sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe that just means this is the year since we're, I mean, overlooking them. If they were, if they were in Montana state spot or even Santa Barbara, like if they had Baylor I mean, or Baylor. <laughs> I'm not even. I don't even hate Baylor. I just think Baylor's susceptible. Yeah, uh, especially to a hot shooting team. It's it's happened before. Uh, all right, so let's see. I think you know with uh, who I'm going with here, but maybe not. We'll see. Um, West has been labeled the the region of death, so should be fairly wide open. Top seeds here, Kansas. UCLA minus Jalen Clark, Gonzaga, UConn, and St. Mary's. Um, so, lot of firepower here. Um, and, you know, that's not mentioning, you know, a great 8 9 matchup, Arkansas, Illinois, TCU lurking there as well, although they will be without Eddie Lampkin. This, this one, there are the most teams in this region out of any other, I think, be safe to say that you can see making a run to the yeah. final four. Definitely, definitely. And I think it starts with the the toughest game to pick, the 8-9 Arkansas-Illinois. You have no idea what you're getting from either of these teams. They have been the highest ceiling, lowest floor teams in the entire country all season long. If you look at the rosters, each of these teams should be a full four or five seed lines higher just based on on how they're constructed, the amount of talent they have, even the the ability of the coaching staffs, which I guess you could argue clearly did not pan out this year. But it, if you're Kansas, you've got to be really frustrated getting not only the West region, but also uh, getting this draw of Arkansas and Illinois in the uh, in the second round, potentially. Yeah, I know there are a lot of Kansas people that were annoyed that Houston got the uh, number two overall seed ahead of them. And, you know, certainly an Iowa-Auburn second-round matchup is, is more appealing than than this one. But I don't know. Like, Illinois, I feel like, will just continue fooling me until the end of the season. They have not won a – we're still talking quad one games even after the bracket, but they have not won a quad one game since December, in which – they looked really good beating Texas. Um, and that's it's kind of something I've I've almost been waiting for them to kind of flip the switch, find that again. Yeah. Similar thing with Arkansas, how how they looked at times in Maui. Um, you know, just in terms of on the court stuff. I know they they're not happy about a lot of stuff that happened there, but like Arkansas, I think I trust a little more, especially with a lot of their issues, I think have had more to do with just injuries uh, more than anything else. They've got Nick Smith back, uh, so that obviously helps a ton. Um, but I think this will be 
a very chippy first round game. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to be Arkansas who advances to to take on Kansas. And I mean, 20, 24, 48 hours before that game, I'm sure a lot will be said about Musselman's ability to win in the tournament. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think, uh, like when things get chippy, when things get tough, when things get physical, I don't think Illinois fares well. Terrence Shannon's had a beat up year. He's he's been injured on and off. They don't necessarily have that banger. Dane Danger can kind of fill that role, but he doesn't necessarily uh, play it that often. And then you see they lose to Penn State and they go out and just bitch about it the entire post game instead of congratulating the team that beat them by shooting the ball well and, and finding the open man, they call it booty ball and then complain and try and, you know, move on and talk about uh, how it shouldn't, you know, teams shouldn't be uh, asked to play that way or whatever it is. But uh, I don't know. I feel like this Illinois team's kind of checked out at this point. Famous last words, of course, because they'll probably go out and smoke Arkansas now that we're both taking the hogs. But it feels like a game that Arkansas can use to kind of bring some energy back and then give Kansas a hell of a second round game. Yeah. I mean, then if Illinois wins and it'll be the, the Bill South bowl, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Illinois won a, a gaudy 0 three against Penn state this year. They were clearly frustrated by the end of it, but yeah, I, I think the, the losing team is going to have extremely bad vibes uh, from Arkansas, yes. Illinois. It'll be an all time presser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I I really I don't think I really had uh, any crazy upset. This was one of my tamer regions uh, through the first round. Did you Did you have anything that was uh, speaking to you? I do. I love the St. Mary's team. I think they're very good. I love VCU. I have VCU in the Sweet Sixteen. I think they're that good. They have a little bit of everything. They play incredibly physical defense. Uh, Ace Baldwin is a stud. They've got, they've just got everything you'd want in this team. They played really well uh, throughout the A-10 tournament, beat up on Dayton towards the end there. I think they take care of St. Mary's. And St. Mary's showed uh, weakness in that, excuse me, in the uh, two games to close the season against Gonzaga. I think VCU can take from that film and figure out what they need to do in order to rough them up, make it a, a more uncomfortable game. And then UConn, for all the talk that Dan Hurley has put out there, they really have not delivered much. Like they were pretty middling throughout most of the Big East season. They go to MSG and then drop a heartbreaker in the Big East tournament, uh, basically after calling MSG their home court, they go out and lose the next night. And now the pressure is mounting. Not only do you have a first-round matchup with probably future St. John's coach Rick Pitino in Iona in the first game that a lot of people think you're going to lose, but then you get either a St. Mary's or a VCU who sty stylistically uh, are very different and love to defend, which your team has shown, uh, uh, the, shown in the past that they struggle with. I hear that, but if you're beating your chest about, you know, how you're back and a force to be reckoned with, you can't complain about, you know, yeah. St. Mary's VCU second round matchup. So it's like for sure. Can't have it both ways. But yeah, I I've seen a lot of that talk online. Um this may, you know, 
work in your favor. But VCU is the the one twelve seed that doesn't really worry me um, as much. But again, that's how I felt about Richmond last year. Um, <laughs> I think what we're probably going to see is they will attempt to press St. Mary's as Gonzaga did, really make them uncomfortable. Yeah. I think the uh, problem is Gonzaga has significantly more length at key positions uh, that VCU is is not able to replicate. Um, and then VCU offensively is just obviously not nearly on the level uh, that Gonzaga is. So that'll, that'll be a challenge. That'll probably be a, a lower-scoring first-round game. I like St. Mary's to advance out of it. Uh, I like UConn to beat Iona. I think they'll give us one good showing, but then I think with the the quick turnaround, St. Mary's is really going to make UConn uncomfortable in a second round game. So I actually have the Gales in the Sweet 16 um, with a for a meeting against Kansas. There, yeah, I I we're on the same page, just a different team. It's yeah. I think the winner of St. Mary's VCU, and like I said, I love both of these teams. I was so disappointed when I saw them paired up together. Um, but I think the winner of that game gets through and past UConn, um, for, for the, the game against Kansas. But outside of that, I think Boise state can handle Northwestern. I don't necessarily think that's uh, too crazy an opinion there. And then outs, uh, and then other than that, Gonzaga and Kansas in the regional final. Yeah. So last thing on VCU St. Mary's I think also I'm just disappointed that the A-10 is just not as good at basketball anymore like this was a only ever going to be a one-bid league uh which is disappointing you know some of the the teams we've seen over the years from you know Dayton St. Louis others obviously loyal and new to the conference um Rhode Island is in hell um you know Look up who their head coach is, but they're not, they're not they're not getting back to the Dan Hurley days anytime soon. So it's it's disappointing because um, we we've seen some great March runs. Hopefully they can get back to that level. I know they've been hiring great coaches uh, to get into that conference and revitalize it a bit. But a little disappointed uh, to see that it was only going to be one auto bid and and nothing else. But maybe maybe VCU can make the conference proud. Yeah, you know they've got. Good teams at the top, but the bottom nine were 500 or worse this year. It was, yeah, it was also, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, the depth of the league, the amount of teams, they had 15 teams in this league, killed them at the end. Like, if if they were the Atlantic 10 with 10 teams, they may have been better off. Yeah, there is a, there's a lot of opportunities they, they whiffed on in uh, the non-conference, and that was, that was kind of it. St. Louis, I think, ultimately was, uh, yeah team with a lot of chances against uh, high major teams and, and kind of came up empty. I'm with you on Boise State over Northwestern. I think there is some potential for a rock fight game, but the difference for me is Boise State just has more individual players on its roster capable of playing good offensive basketball and hitting shots. Um, so that's, that's kind of my rationale for that. Um, I mean, the only games Northwestern's going to win in this tournament is if they muck it up. Um, I, I don't think that will make Boise State as uncomfortable as it will some other teams. Um, mm-hmm. Said your your regional final is uh, Gonzaga and Kansas. It is. So is mine. <laughs> surprise, surprise! You know, the more we do this, the less things change. Yeah, I, I honestly, I thought there was, I thought there was no chance of 
having this much in common uh, this year, but obviously I was wrong. Who, uh, who do you have winning that game? I have Gonzaga winning that game. <laughs> to, to go to the final four, I uh, I don't know. It, it just, I, I heard it, I can't remember who I heard say it, and I would love to give them credit. I just cannot recall off the top of my head. Gonzaga has, this is the least we've talked about them coming into an NCAA tournament in quite a while. They are a three seed. They sit with a really nice draw. Um, Grand Canyon will be a tough, tough game to open the the tournament with, but I don't anticipate them having too much trouble. And then you get a shorthanded TCU who can still cause problems for sure, or Arizona State, Nevada, who don't really cause me any issues or any worry. Um, and then you're getting Northwestern, Boise State, or shorthanded UCLA. Like, that's as good a draw as you could ever ask for if you're the Zags. So it would almost be disappointing to not see them get to the Elite Eight here. Yeah, I. so I, I agree 100% in terms of, you know, less hype, less pressure, play a little loose. They've, they've clearly been playing well with the spotlight off them, uh, you know, to end the season. Yeah. Beat up on St. Mary's a couple times, um, <laughs> and, you know, Obviously, Drew Timmy's still the guy, but secondary scoring options, you know, Julian Strother is really looking like a great NBA prospect. Watson has had a great year. Um, yeah. You know, it's they've they've got the wings to match up well with a team like Kansas, who's also very wing-heavy. Um, and, I mean, they've got the best offense in the nation uh, per Ken Palm. So, you know, we've, we've talked about some of the defensive concerns. Will come up at some points. Um, so I don't have them winning the national title, but in this region, yeah, I I agree. I think it it lines up very nicely. I think UCLA not having Jalen Clark is huge, um, and I think changes the ceiling for the Bruins um, from you know national title to just the way the draw worked out a, a Sweet Sixteen team. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean that's another one like. If, we, if that's how the matchups are after the first weekend, we're going to see the the Morrison replays many mm-hmm. times uh, leading up to that game. But yeah, I uh, I I kind of was telling myself just before the bracket came out, almost automatically it would put Kansas into the Final Four. Um, but same, obviously could not do it um, based on how everything played out. But I mean, Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, and company, as we've talked about all year. Very talented, going to be a tough out for anyone. Elite Eight's not awful. Um, no. Obviously, the one seed, that would probably be a little disappointed with that exit, but that's how we both see it. They, uh, I mean, you could probably go back three or four weeks ago, four episodes ago, and you'd hear me say that I think Kansas will repeat as champion, and here I am yeah. picking them to lose. All right, so... I don't have to ask you what your final four is again because it's my system one. The same exact one. Got Arizona from the south, Marquette from the east, Houston from the Midwest, and Gonzaga from the west. Um, all right. So who's your uh, who's your final and, and champion? It's going to be Arizona Gonzaga with Arizona winning it. Uh, I think Arizona Marquette has the opportunity to be an all-time great Final Four game. Both teams love to push the ball, run high-tempo high offense. Uh, they score it incredibly well. There's really good matchups here with the forwards. 
uh, Igadaro, Balo, Tubelis. Uh, you've got Omax Prosper, like a really fun uh, games game there between those four. Um, and then the best, arguably the best point guard in the country in Tyler Kolick. But uh, I don't think Marquette ends up having enough to take down Arizona. And then uh, Gonzaga, I think they've just got too much offensive firepower for Houston. I think the emotion and the the festivities of it all kind of will detract from Houston's ability to to play well in this game. It will obviously be a home game, but there's something to be said about the added pressure of being at home in such a big spot uh, and then not being able to deliver. I think, again, it lets Gonzaga fly under the radar a little bit, which is where they have thrived this year. Uh, and then Tommy Lloyd, Mark Few, great, great story there. And uh, I think Arizona, in the end, has enough to win at 77-73. Would be appropriate for Gonzaga just like the entire Big Ten so you keep getting to the championship game on losing. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so we're not 100% the same. I do have Arizona over Marquette, uh, but I've got Houston over Gonzaga. Um, so of course, as of this entire bracket, if it comes out tomorrow that Marcus Sasser's injury is like surprisingly more serious, I will be screwed. But we are yeah. going with the assumption that he is healthy enough to play here. Um, I, I think Houston defensively is going to be enough to, to really challenge Gonzaga, particularly on the interior. And then, again... You know, Walker and Roberts can still match up pretty well against Arizona's elite interior duo. Um, and then I think it, Houston's just a a much more balanced team. Um, I think out of this entire Final Four, the, the team I could see, you know, having a random disappointed early exit is Arizona just because of how erratic the, yeah. the backcourt guys have been at certain low points of the season. Um but best case scenario, Rose Kelly glasses, they are getting to the championship game where they will lose to Houston. Um, wow. Did not pick this for the narratives, but just that. Much like the committee. That would that would be a bonus. I just, yeah. I looked at the matchups the committee laid out in front of me, and I, I thought they, <laughs> would, they would win all of them. Um, also, this was not intentional, but it would also give me, you know, some some little consolation if indiana lost to the eventual national champion so that's it's a preemptive hypothetical spin zone that's fair that's fair i uh i can't i don't even know i if uconn wins the championship i will feel uh, you know vindicated that seton hall beat the, the national champion there you go okay i was yeah it's Memphis. like i don't i don't feel like you're particularly a fan of of uconn but that that checks out all right yeah that's what you're putting down all right, that is uh, that is the bracket, and is uh, you know, we tried to make them as different as we could, and you know, so, some parts are. It's just the, uh, you know, any in graphics of the final four, it'd be like, yep, of course. But uh, you know, we we had we had some different upsets. We have different champions, so that's that's ultimately all that should be taken from this. And also, there's a chance that uh. My bracket looks in disarray after the first weekend, but whether it's looking good or not, we will be back here next week to break down both of the first two rounds, look ahead to the regionals, and uh, yeah, I mean, really bask in the 
the glow of what is always one of the best weekends of the sports calendar. We are both so excited. Uh, we're glad you're with us following along. And uh, out there is some information here that uh, the listeners picked up on. Uh, maybe maybe help you get some extra points in one of your bracket pools. But in any event, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week.